Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host. My name is Jared St. Clair. It's good to be with you again. I am excited for a new episode of Vitality Radio, as I am every week. I just love doing this show. It's so good to be able to get on here and throw out my thoughts and ideas and research on health and nutrition and all things vitality. And I really appreciate that. Uh, those of you who tune in on a regular basis continue to do so. I appreciate that very much. If you like what you hear, go tell somebody. I've got a great show for you. We're going to talk about the coronavirus. We're going to talk about what it is and how scared we should be. We're going to talk about detoxification and uh, what it is <laughs> and how scared we should be if we don't do it. Nah, I don't do this fear thing, but there are some things that we need to be aware of in our bodies that we probably want to get rid of. We'll talk about that and how to do it. And I've got a really exciting kind of new way to do it that I've come up with that I'm pretty excited about. And we're going to talk about a few other good things. I left one myth on the table last week. If you listen to the show, you notice I was going to do three health myths. I only did two health myths because I ran out of time. So I'm going to share that last myth with you. And uh, also, I, I kind of had to hustle there at the end. Go fast, go fast. So during our little cleansing thing uh, at the end of the show, I'm going to go a little slower, talk about a couple of things that I missed on last week's episode. I have a few little things, two updates first. Update number one. If you're a regular listener, you may have heard that my hip has been bothering me. To the point where I'm considering an MRI, which is not typical of me and the kind of things I do. I usually try and figure stuff like that out on my own, but I'm having a problem. There's something out of line and I, uh, you know, chiropractic, acupuncture, a few other things that I've tried have not seemed to help other than temporarily. I've definitely had temporary relief and I've done some things to try and heal things up naturally with herbs and things like that. And I'm not getting anywhere that way. So there's something going on in there and I need to figure out what it is. I have yet to do that. However, in my experimenting with what I've done and in my sharing what I've been doing on the radio, I've learned a couple things. One is I have a very kind and compassionate listener. I imagine you're probably listening today because it sounds like you listen more often than not. I'm not going to mention your name, although I know what it is. Because uh, I didn't tell you I would and <laughs> keep the privacy. But uh, you came up all the way from, I think, South Jordan or West Jordan or Draper or something like that to Bountiful. And I was not at Vitality, but uh, my son Bridger was. And you had a conversation with him about a hip problem that you had had and uh, something that you had done to alleviate it that had worked wonders called myopractic, not Cairo, but myopractic, myo meaning muscle. And I've been looking into it, and I can't find anybody that does it around here, like not a single soul. So if you know of someone, and if you're listening, or if you 
uh, out there uh, listening on the show, any of you, are aware of a myopractic practitioner, I'd like to uh, I'd like to meet that person and ask him a few questions. But I also learned some stuff about my hip that is really um, exciting to me. You have heard me talk about magnesium a lot recently. I've been doing a deep dive. I'm uh, knee deep in books and podcasts and studies on PubMed and all kinds of other places looking at what magnesium deficiency does to the human body. And I've been likening it uh, when I've talked to clients at Vitality to like this reservoir. You know, we have to have this full reservoir to have enough water to get us through the uh, summer months here in Utah. These reservoirs are, you know, up high in the mountains and we need to fill them up with snow and all this other stuff, right? Well, magnesium is kind of that way too, except that we need to fill that reservoir and keep it full all the time. And the problem is, much like in summer, we have the heat and all the sprinkler systems going off to keep our grass green and so on and so forth. And we deplete those reservoirs. Well, when we're under a lot of stress, our reservoirs get depleted of magnesium. It's called the magnesium burn rate. And the magnesium burn rate is really interesting. If you look at all the things that make us burn more magnesium, being an American, pretty much that's all it takes. And uh, the stress of everything from politics to family life to poor diet to high stress uh, work environments, and you know the list goes on and on, excess calcium in our food and so on and so forth. These things all create a higher burn rate. And my stress levels have been very, very high over the last couple of years. Combination of different uh, familial things, some business things, you know, multiple deaths in the family, divorce, um, embezzlement. I mean, you name it, I've experienced it uh, over the last few years. And I'm a pretty chill character. I don't uh, get ruffled all that easily. Stuff happens. Most of it rolls off my back, but it's still stress that my body has to deal with. And I have noticed 100% that when I'm under more stress, my hip hurts more. So I decided to try something new. I spoke to an expert about topical magnesium for about an hour and a half a few weeks ago. In fact, she was so excellent that I'm definitely going to have her on Vitality Radio soon. Well, Anyway, I got a hold of the type of magnesium salts that she specifically recommended called magnesium chloride. Now, magnesium chloride, I've known as the best topical option over Epsom salt, although I've mentioned Epsom salt on Vitality Radio many times because it's readily available at the grocery store. But uh, magnesium chloride is a much, much more bioavailable form. In fact, I'm sitting here recording the show and my feet are in a bath of magnesium chloride right now. And uh, I've been doing it now for, this is the 11th day. I missed one day out of 11. So 10 days out of the last 11 days, I've done this for at least 30 minutes. And sometimes, like in the case of uh, prepping the radio and recording it, uh, it'll probably be a couple of hours that I have my feet in, in this. Uh, and I don't expect people to be able to do it for a couple hours a day. I don't typically have that available to me. But at least a half an hour uh, is what's been recommended, and that's what I've been doing for the last 10 out of 11 days. And as I have done that, one thing that's very interesting, my stress levels have been fairly high the last couple of weeks, higher than typical, I would say. My sleep level has been way down, especially the last five or six days. And with high stress and poor sleep, generally speaking, for me anyway, becomes a less 
structured diet. So eating less of the foods that I know are important for me and, and more of the foods that I know I ought to probably avoid, all of which, generally speaking, makes my hip hurt more. But guess what? There's a tendon right at the front of your leg, not the side of, of the hip, but right at the front going down from your pelvis into the into the, uh, the thigh area. And I don't know if you can notice yours if you tighten things up and kind of feel that, but I didn't have to tighten it up for the last several months. It's just been tight all the time. And another one on my uh, on the right side. And this 10 days of magnesium therapy with my feet soaking in a little hot tub of magnesium salts has softened that up like you wouldn't believe. I mean, it's just smooth and loose. And while the pain is not completely gone, the tension is dramatically reduced and the pain is dramatically reduced. Like I'd say most days, 80% better, like significantly better. And with the circumstances being that they, sh- it should have been worse. So had things been less stressful and all this other stuff, I wonder if it would have been even better. And of course, we will never know. But my point being, I've taken my own word to heart, I should say, in terms of this recommendation for more magnesium from a topical source. And I feel like it's really, really working for me. And I highly recommend it for you. If you want the magnesium chloride, I found a source that's a really good quality source. It's very uh, affordable. Magnesium chloride has been pretty expensive in the past. And uh, we now have one that's about 16 bucks for what's probably about a month's supply. So it's really not bad. I highly recommend you give it a shot. I am loving it. Okay, so I uh, have rambled a bit here, and it's time to get down to business because as is typical, I do this show every week, and every week throughout the week, almost every week, but most every week, yes, one or two or three or four things kind of ruffle my feathers a little bit when it comes to the world of health and nutrition And this week is no different. It's time for the morning rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. Alrighty, the morning rant. Now, a few months ago, Maybe it's been even six or eight months. Time flies when you're doing this radio show, I guess. But regardless, there was a episode that I did that I felt was long overdue, and I'm probably going to do another one on it soon because there was a lot more information to share that I just didn't have time for in that first one. But it was an episode about fear-based medicine. Fear-based medicine, what is that? It's when the powers that be in medicine scare us into compliance with what they feel needs to be done. Now, I talk about this a lot with the flu shot. I uh, I did an episode called Why We Obey. I did another episode called Why We Conform. Both of those will be uh, in the initial launch phase of Vitality Radio Pod. So if you didn't hear that, uh, hear those. Those are really good, like really good. 
way beyond just health and nutrition, but the psychology of why we just do as we're told so often in this country. And uh, I think there's real value in that. Well, one reason we do is fear. You've heard of fear of missing out. That's a thing. Uh, Fear of looking stupid, fear of being wrong, uh, fear of not fitting in. There's all these different things. Well, right now we have this big fear practice going on in the media and from government agencies. And the big hot one right now is coronavirus. Now, coronavirus, if you have not heard of it, then I am literally the only news outlet you subscribe to. (laughs) And uh, that's fine. I don't mind. No, really. I tell everybody, get more opinions than just mine. But coronavirus is in the news. I mean, big time. A lot of big stuff's happened this last week. Uh, Farewell to Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest basketball players ever passed away this last week. Neil Peart, in my opinion, the greatest or top two or three greatest drummers in rock history passed away a couple of weeks ago. A lot of stuff happening in the news, and these are big stories. The Kobe Bryant one was a huge story. But coronavirus, along with the impeachment, it's like, you know, those two things bouncing back and forth in our consciousness. And we're supposed to be scared, I I guess. And so the question I want to ask is, should we be scared? Well, let's talk a little bit about it. It isn't new, coronavirus, at least not exactly, but it is extremely interesting. In fact, I was going to do a whole show on it today, truth be told, but I just didn't feel like I had the information I needed to do the whole show. So stand by. Another week or so, you'll have it. But uh, what we do know right now is that it might be man-made. In fact, it appears to be man-made. And that's kind of scary. There's things out there saying reports that uh, it may have been a man-made biological weapon of some sort, that it escaped from a lab in China, possibly by accident, possibly on purpose. There have been arrests made regarding something related to this. It's all very hazy. And there's money being tracked. Those are the things that I've been able to discover so far. Sounds like a great episode of The Blacklist. But the truth is, We don't know enough about it yet to know how worried we should be. This is what we do know. There's about 8,300 cases, depending on what you read at the moment, because it's literally being updated by the hour. And uh, that's worldwide. About 8,000 of those are in China. So the vast majority is still in China. And most of them are in that part of the world. And there are six of them in the U.S. As of uh, yesterday, I think the sixth one was diagnosed. And as of yesterday, there were about 173 people dead. That's a lot of people for 8,300 cases. Actually, that's cause for concern, I would say. The other thing we need to know about it is that you can be a carrier and contagious to other people, even if you have no symptoms. So that also is, you know, it's a little bit scary, right? You don't have symptoms. You don't know you're passing it on to somebody. And it's uh, not that dissimilar to rhinovirus, the common cold, essentially. In fact, most of the people that get it end up with symptoms very similar to the common cold. And most of the people that get it, just like the common cold, get better just fine, just like the flu and just like almost every other virus. But the headlines would make you think that any day now, we're all going to die. Now, this reminds me of the swine flu, which I took on quite boldly, I think, back when that happened, and the avian flu, and the Zika virus, and Ebola. In fact, I read an interesting article from 2015 in a Canadian newspaper. This is what it said. 
Remember the great North American Ebola hysteria of 14? The baseless quarantines, the helicopters following the first infected American aid worker as he was taken off a plane in the United States, the television news channels that warned in a continuous panicky crawl that cases may soar to 10,000 per week. One person who was diagnosed with Ebola in the United States died out of four confirmed cases. One person out of four confirmed cases. But prior to that, we had all this hysteria about Ebola. You'd never know that that's what happened, judging by the paranoia and political grandstanding that dominated the airwaves in October of 2014. A community college in Texas stopped taking applicants from affected countries. Two kids from Sierra Leone were beaten up in America because, you know, they'd been to Sierra Leone. Healthcare professionals returning from Africa were placed under quarantine, even if they showed no symptoms. Anyone they'd come in contact with was told to stay at home, too, as if the virus could be spread by mere proximity. This happens over and over and over and over and over. Again, it happens every year with the flu. It happens every few years with some new novel strain of some virus from somewhere, almost always from some foreign country, which makes it seem even scarier. And I'm not saying this is all made up. What I am saying is that the fear that the media and the government seem to just thrive on is unwarranted in pretty much every case and probably in this case. Now, it's possible I might be wrong. We may have something real bad here, and it might turn into something awful. But right now, it's really not. And the biggest thing about health, probably the single biggest thing about health, I've brought it up many, many times, is that if you are empowered to take care of yourself, you need not fear. And fear is bad for your health in a big way. Talk about the magnesium burn rate I discussed earlier. So fear will never get us anywhere. And I see people taking all these precautions. And precautions are good, right? Everybody says you should have a 72-hour kit, even though we don't know if there's going to be that fault line going to collapse anytime. And that's fine. But that doesn't mean you need to be biting your nails all night waiting for the collapse, right? So precautions are good if they're wise precautions. And unfortunately, in most cases, the information we get from our government agencies and the media are precautions that we don't even know work and that almost in every case have the potential to cause harm, such as the flu vaccine or the swine flu vaccine that was rushed to market four months after that huge epidemic or pandemic or whatever they wanted to call it. So the first thing that I suggest is that we, we don't fear. Be prepared because we know that anything that is reported like this is going to sound worse than it actually is. The CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, and the mass media routinely tell us that 36,000 people a year die in this country from the flu. In reality, according to their own numbers, on average, only 1,348 people a year die from the flu. The rest die from flu-related illnesses, which means nothing. When it comes to the flu, it just means there are things that could have been caused by the flu, but only 1,348 
cases that are actually diagnosed on an annual basis on average in this country. Now, that doesn't discount the 1,348 people we lost, but that 1,348 number is far less scary than 36,000. And so, of course, they use the 36,000 number because fear. I often wonder, though, if all this hysteria every time a virus breaks out might eventually have all of us, not just me, but all of us feeling like the media is just the boy who cried wolf. Maybe one day we'll have reason for fear, but that day is not today. So, first and foremost, viruses aren't that scary. I'm going to say that again. Viruses aren't that scary. There are scary viruses. And in some parts of the world, these viruses, such as Ebola, have had massive, tragic loss of life. Absolutely. We're not over there. We're over here. And in the good old U.S. of A., so far anyway, viruses aren't that scary. Medically speaking, there are a lot of things that they can do to treat you for a virus. Now, when it comes to the flu, they want to treat you with Tamiflu, which can cause blindness and death. They want to treat you with things that are very, very harmful and not necessarily proven to work. And so this is why Vitality Radio exists, because there are always alternatives to these things. And if you know what to do when you're sick or to prevent getting sick in the first place, you are empowered and therefore you don't need to fear. And that's why I do Vitality Radio. That's what this is. I tell people all the time, I don't think I've mentioned it on the air in a while, but in all my 47 years, I had to be 46 before I had my first antibiotic. And it was because of a little procedure that I didn't have an option. It, it's annoying because I knew 100% I didn't need the antibiotic. It was part of the protocol. I didn't have a choice. So I knew what to do to get better from the antibiotic, and I did it. I beefed up on probiotics and did the things I needed to do to get better from the damage that the antibiotic did to me. But I never had an antibiotic before that in 46 years. And people say, well, I don't understand. Didn't you ever have strep throat? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Didn't you ever have ear infections? That's the one that people like to say. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I had ear infections too. Uh, didn't you ever, you know, didn't you ever get sick? Didn't you have a sinus infection? Uh, haven't you had any of these things? And yeah, yeah, actually I have. I've had sinus infections. I've had ear infections. I've had strep throat. I've had all these things and I've never taken an antibiotic for any of them because, well, first off, those bacteria aren't that scary if you know what to do. Now, I'm not saying they're not miserable. It's no fun. But there are ways around these things that don't require antibiotics. Antibiotics ought to be reserved for life and death stuff, in my opinion. Now, your doctor may disagree with me on that. But if we only reserve them for life or death stuff, we'd have a lot less killer, nasty, MRSA-like illnesses out there, C. diff and the like, things that have been created by us by beating down bacteria on, at an alarming rate in this country. Instead of living with it, we try and destroy it, and it just doesn't work. It mutates into bigger and badder stuff. And so we have to be cautious with how we do this stuff. And when people say to me, well, how do you, you know, it's so what do you do for an ear infection? Then I tell them. And what do you do for strep throat? Well, I tell them there's things you can do. And it's fine because the one thing that we seem to always forget in this country, and it's, it's an absolute crying shame, is that 
we just get better on our own most of the time. Is that not true? I mean, all you have to do is cut yourself to see what happens. Our body wants to be well. Our body is pretty darn adept at becoming well. And if you give it extra tools, it can get well sooner. But we seem to think that we're like walking around in this horrifically dangerous environment where we have to put hand sanitizer on every five seconds. And we have to put Neosporin on every cut. And we have to take antibiotics for every sinus infection. And it's just not true. Because we're pretty good at getting well. In fact, we're so dumb in this country sometimes that we want to give kids Tylenol for a fever when the fever is what's making us well, making the child well. The fever is the body's natural defense against that illness. And now pediatricians finally are even saying that. Oh, maybe we should let the fever run its course. Oh, really? Oh, after all these years of Tylenol and liver damage? Yeah, maybe we should let the fever run its course. So we have to just wake up a little bit and recognize that our bodies are like hyper resilient. And if we take pretty good care of them, even if we don't sometimes, they'll still recover from most of this stuff. If we take really good care of them, they usually don't get most of this stuff. And if they do get this stuff, they get well and they gain immunity because of it. It's really pretty beautiful how that all works. So what am I doing to protect me and my family against coronavirus? Well. The same things I do every time that the fall rolls around. August rolls around, it's back to school time. I always remember, along with notebooks, we got to stock up on a few things. So we take extra vitamin C. Inner C is my favorite, not emergency. Don't you dare. Emergency used to be a good product, and then Pfizer bought it out, and now it stinks. But inner C, which is what emergency used to be, is awesome. So I take the inner C packet every single day, give it to my kids. I take it. It's amazing stuff. Uh, vitamin D, if your levels are low. And the only way to know that is a, a blood test, a little extra vitamin D in the wintertime. I don't think it's a bad idea, but um, if your levels are fine, then supplementing it is not necessary. And the best way to get vitamin D is always the sunshine anyway. 20 minutes of exposed skin every day does wonders for your health. And elderberry elderberry. Oh, I love elderberry. Clinical trials show that it cuts a flu in half from an average of seven to nine days to an average of four to five days. And that is amazing for just this cute little purple berry. But it works. It works really, really well. And I always have elderberry on hand in cold and flu season. Now, I don't take elderberry preventatively like I do the vitamin C. I take it at the first sign that I might be getting a cold or flu. And you know what's great about it? It tastes really good. It comes in syrup. It comes in gummies. It comes in lozenges. They all taste good. Kids like them. So it's not hard to get them to take them. My seven and 10 year old don't fuss about it at all. And uh, if I worry that something's being passed around the family, we break out the elderberry for a couple of days. It's not that hard. Um, get well, stay well. A couple capsules a day, give you some elderberry, give you some uh, vitamin C, gives you some zinc and gives you all kinds of other good things, olive leaf extract and uh, oregano and things like that to help fight off whatever is kind of out there. And you can take it daily as a preventative or you can take it only when you need it at a higher dose. 
It's our number one selling product at Vitality this time of year. Get well, stay well, and people absolutely swear by it. Last winter, we couldn't get it for a few weeks, and people were, it, there was like mutiny going on in Bountiful, Utah, believe it or not. And uh, yeah, so we got it back in. Everybody took a deep breath, and all was well. But get well, stay well is fantastic. And then the other thing I want to mention, and I want to go into it in a little more detail, is because the studies are so awesome on this. There is a spore-based probiotic called Bacillus coagulans. They did a study on this. This is not in most probiotic products, by the way. So if you're looking at your probiotic and it doesn't say Bacillus coagulans or Bacillus subtilis, you're probably missing the boat on this. But these strains, they actually did a study where they basically determined very simply over a 30-day period an increase of 17 times as much TNF-alpha when the blood that had the probiotic in it uh, was exposed to influenza A versus the placebo blood. And that is a huge deal. That's 17 times the natural defense in just 30 days with this particular probiotic. So every August and every January, I take a month's worth of that every single day just to make sure I'm beefed up and everything as well. And that's with me not ever taking antibiotics just to make sure my gut's in line because 80 to 90% of your, your immune system comes from your gut anyway. So that's what I do and that's what I'm doing. And guess what? I'm not scared of the coronavirus and you shouldn't be either. I'll bring more information on the coronavirus as I gain that information. I'm going to be doing a bit of traveling the next couple of weeks, so I'm not sure when it'll be. But within the next couple of weeks, I'll get you a show with more information on the coronavirus. And we'll know a lot more about it. This is an evolving story for sure. i got to cut to a break. When I come back, I'm going to talk about cleansing for a healthier life, how to do it simply but also effectively and why you need to do it and how to avoid getting those pesky toxins in us in the first place. That's next on Vitality Radio. Of all the gimmicks that ever were, perhaps men's sexual performance ads and products are at the top of the list. So why would I approve a men's sexual performance ad to air during Vitality Radio? That's easy. This one is legit. Full disclosure, I formulated this one myself after years of frustration with the lack of great products available. Man Up is the formula. How it works is threefold. First, it delivers a significant dose of L-citrulline, which creates nitric oxide, thereby increasing blood flow and oxygen to muscle tissue. This not only improves performance and endurance, but also has the side benefit of being very good for your heart and cardiovascular system. Second, Man Up helps with hormone balance, and natural testosterone production. And third, Man Up even helps calm performance anxiety, something a lot of men struggle with after having issues with sexual performance. Man Up is safe and can be used daily or as needed. It is great for the gym or the bedroom. So if you're tired of the endless hype ads about male performance supplements and are ready for one that is natural, safe, effective, and guaranteed, it's time to try Man Up. For more information about Man Up, call Vitality Nutrition at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. All righty, welcome back to Vitality Radio. My name is Jared St. Clair, and it's good to be with you again. It's time to talk about detox because it's time for a cleanse. I'm giving you a little bit of heads up 
I, uh, it's spring cleaning comes up pretty soon, right? We're just the beginning of February, but you know, March, April, people like to clean stuff up. Some people take the spring break to clean up their house when their kids are like, no, let's go to the pool. But uh, whenever you choose to clean up your house, you ought to think about cleaning up your body. And uh, that sounds challenging, I think, to a lot of people and maybe um, intimidating. So I'm going to break it down and kind of simplify it for you. But first, I want to ask or not ask, but tell you why I believe we need to cleanse. Let's just talk about chemical toxicity. The average person uses about nine personal care products per day and never thinks twice about them. Many use more. These are your shampoos, conditioners, deodorants, lotions, creams, colognes, perfumes, and cosmetics. And that doesn't mention the stuff I talked about last week on Vitality Radio. You know, fragrances, your Glade plugins, your Febreze, your Lysol, your scented candles. Ugh, let's just take those off. We're just talking about body care stuff right now. The average person, nine things. And when you take those nine things and multiply it by how many chemicals on average are in those nine things, it's 129 unique chemicals you're exposed to daily. Now, that's just man-made chemicals. That's not ingredients. There's a lot more ingredients in these things because some of them have things like aloe vera in them or vitamin E or coconut oil, right? We're talking just chemicals. The average person, 129 chemicals exposed on the skin, in the nostrils, in the hair, you get the pic- the picture. And women, because it's kind of how it is, it's 12 things, not nine things for an average of 168 chemicals. It's gotten so bad that scientists are now starting to talk about a concept called chemical body burden. This is the amount of chemical buildup in the human system, which could increase the chances of cancer or even fertility problems. Toxins in the environment, say smog, for instance, Here in Utah, we get lots of that, right? You can't do that much about those, except move to the mountains somewhere. But what products you choose to put in your bathroom is another matter. You might be shocked to find out that there's little oversight as to what chemicals can be included in personal care products. According to the EWG, that's the Environmental Working Group, federal law regulating such products hasn't changed much since 1938. The FDA doesn't test the ingredients of these products for efficacy or safety. Only colored additives require the agency's approval. The agency can't issue recalls on cosmetics or hygiene products either. The average woman, as I said, 12 such products daily exposing herself to 168 unique chemicals. And according to the EWG, one of every 13 women are exposed to a a known or suspected carcinogen every day. And when you take all men and women together in this country, that's 12.2 million adults that are exposed to a carcinogen in their body care products every single day. That's a lot. And what's even more concerning is that manufacturers aren't required by law to put all of their ingredients on the label. Another problem is how these chemicals may be affecting our reproductive systems. Human fertility has declined significantly over the last two years, or two decades, sorry. Sperm counts in particular have taken a nosedive, and I mean, those numbers are documented and it's alarming. Exposure to endocrine disruptors in hygiene products is one theory. These are chemicals that mimic sex hormones throwing off our body's equilibrium. Parabens and phthalates are two of the most commonly mentioned. 
So these are the things I talked about them quite a bit before when I talked about the scents, these xenoestrogens and things like this. But I want to talk about the body care side of it uh, as well as the cleaning your home side of it a little bit more today to try and wrap up that topic. So what else do we need to consider besides the fact that we need to detox when we're thinking about cleansing our bodies? Well, the first thing is avoidance. I've got an analogy for you. Have you ever done a good spring cleaning in your home like I just talked about? If you're like me, cleaning isn't fun. Some people really dig it. And those people are, there's something wrong with them. I think we can all admit to that. Nah, I'm just joking. I wish, I, I kind of wish I enjoyed cleaning, but I don't. It's not that fun. So when I clean, for a few months afterwards, like when I really de-junk, you know, send the stuff to the DI and stuff like that, I think to myself, I'm going to bring less junk into my house. Like, I don't need this. It looks cool at the store or whatever I'm looking at online or whatever. But then I ask myself, do I really need this? Am I going to use this? Are my kids going to use this? You know, what's the value of this thing? And I've started to put a lot more priority on, on stuff I do rather than stuff I own. Uh, traveling and seeing things that you can't see here. And experiences. That's what life's about. But especially after I've recently cleaned. Because when I've recently cleaned, I think, I want it to stay like this. This is nice, right? And so, I bring less stuff in. But then I get a little lackadaisical and eventually I bring more junk in and then eventually I got to clean again and de-junk and the cycle keeps going. Well, unfortunately, my friends, the same can be said about the junk we bring into our bodies, except that there are permanent changes you can make that will reduce these things. So in the article I was reading earlier, it said nine people, Americans on average, Nine uh, body care items loaded with chemicals, about 129 different chemicals. Well, I can tell you that I don't have a body care item that has chemicals in it. Everything I have is a one on the EWG scale. Now, if you want to know what that is, it's EWG.org. I'm going to say it again so you can write it down if you're not driving. If you're driving, uh, call us at 801 292 6662, and we'll get you this. EWG.org, O-R-G, slash Skin Deep, S-K-I-N-D-E-E-P. EWG.org slash Skin Deep. They're a nonprofit. They don't sell anything. Uh, they just give you information, and the information is very, very valuable. They What they've done is they've put a number on all these different chemicals in terms of what we know about them in terms of the inherent dangers of these chemicals, okay? And the numbers are from 1 to 9. I don't think there's a 10. I've never seen a 10, but 1 to 9. And generally speaking, 1, 2s, and 3s are considered, you know, fairly benign. 1 in particular is considered just not a problem at all. 4s, uh, 5s, and 6s, uh, you might be a little more careful. These things can hurt you. And then 7s, 8s, and 9s, you really want to avoid these things. So what I would recommend you do, if you're willing to take the time, is you go to that website, ewg.org slash skin deep. If you've forgotten that or didn't write it down, type in uh, skin deep on your browser and it'll be one of the first things that comes up anyway. But then you can type in the name of your cosmetic item. Now, they're not all on there, but the database is pretty big. 
and they've gone on there and they've found all these things and they've rated them. And they'll have an overall rating of maybe a four or a five or a seven or something like that. And then the individual ingredients are rated. And I decided, because I've been touting this stuff a lot lately, I've been touting this Coco Fiji. Coco Fiji lotion and Coco Fiji soap, my favorite soap and my favorite lotion that I've ever tried in my whole life. And I just discovered them for the first time finally like six months ago. And I just recently started using the soap in the last couple of months and I'm in love. And the soap has two ingredients. It has essential oils and saponified coconut oil. That's all. And it's awesome soap. You feel so moisturized when you're done using soap of all things. Very, very cool. And the lotion has more ingredients than that, but very, very clean ingredients. And it's the best lotion I've ever used. So I decided to do a little comparison. So I jumped on EWG Skin Deep, and I already knew that my lotion, the Coco Fiji, is a one. So it's a basically a perfect score if you're a one. And so I looked up one that I thought was one of the better sellers out there. And it's a Vaseline Intensive Care Lotion. It's, you know, it's in all the Walmarts and everywhere else. And it's a five, a five out of possible nine. So not, not great, right? Let's talk about these chemicals that are in here, though. It's kind of interesting to me. So if you're using Vaseline uh, Intensive Care, there's something, uh, there's a fragrance in there. And the fragrance, like I talked about last week, they score that as an eight because we don't know what's in it. Fragrances oftentimes will have as many as 13 to 15 different chemicals in them just all by themselves. But the things that come in fragrances that we know or come with fragrances in terms of uh, side effects, uh, allergies and immunotoxicity, there's a high likelihood of that. Non-reproductive organ system toxicity, that's moderate. And then irritation to the skin, eyes, or lungs. That's also a moderate concern. That's an eight. A seven was propylparaben. What's propylparaben associated with? Developmental reproductive toxicity, allergies, immunotoxicity, use uh, restrictions for certain people, endocrine disruption. That's what I was talking about with uh, the sex hormones and things like that. And ecotoxicology. So not good for the environment. And then you've got petrolatum. You've got phenoxyethanol. You've got methylparaben, which is another paraben both of those are considered potentially carcinogenic also. Dimethicone and PEG sterate. And then you finally get to the twos and ones. Everything else is a three or above. And there's a seven and an eight, a couple of fours on there. And the thing is, Vaseline intensive care lotion is, it's, you know, I mean, I guess some people like it, say it's pretty good lotion. I can tell you this, and this is exciting when it comes to lotion. You will not find a better lotion than Coco Fiji. And if you do, bring it back. We'll give you your money back because the stuff is amazing, really. But you won't find one you like better at all. Uh, you can find one for cheaper, for sure. But you won't find one better. And you won't find one that is cleaner and better for you. And this is the thing about cleansing. We've got to avoid the stuff we bring in as much as we need to get it out. So how do we get it out? Oh, and I got I to gotta mention one other thing because I missed it on last show. And I don't want to miss it on this show. I use a product called Molly's Suds. It's a natural laundry detergent. Now, you can make your own natural laundry detergent. If you want to get creative, you can jump online. You can find a lot of pretty good ones. Test them out see what you think. I've found that the Molly's is, is easy. Uh, it's very economical, and it works really, really well. So I've stuck with Molly's because, well, mainly it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's clean. And I love what they say on their website. This is kind of a, this is, this is touching and I like it. Our daughter Molly was born in 2005, but she never took a breath. 
As a pediatric nurse and mother of three other healthy children, this was not just a tragedy, it was a shock. We knew Molly was serving our mighty God, she says, but the nurse in me yearned to know what could have caused her stillbirth. I began re- to read everything I could, I could about stillbirths and uncovered a disturbing fact that would change our lives forever. In the United States alone, 80,000 chemicals were approved for use by the TSCA, the Toxic Substances Control Act, and yet only 200 of those 80,000 toxins were tested for human safety. Each year, the list of chemicals changes. Furthermore, a report by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services proves that mothers pass chemicals to their babies via pregnancy and breast milk. Newborn baby cord blood and amniotic fluid had multiple non-toxins, or sorry, non-natural toxins detected in it. Traces of nearly 300 chemicals were from toxins in food, personal care, environmental, and household products. And I knew right then, We had a responsibility to teach others about these toxins and to make a difference. As consumers, we think about what we eat, but not about what we allow to touch our skin and how the ingredients can and do leach into our bloodstreams. For example, detergent ingredients like ionic surficants are the most persistent in the environment and change the sex of our fish in some cases. And NPEs, which have been banned in Canada and Europe, Imitate the hormone estrogen in our bodies, which affect our health and fetal development. These chemicals are found in our drinking water because they are not completely biodegradable. So the decision was made to create laundry powder and other household products that are truly safe for humans. Molly's little footprints are on our website and all of our packaging to remind you that our products are safe for even the tiniest family member. Okay, so that's another reason I use Molly's suds. I just love the story. It's beautiful. And I love that they uh, did something big to uh, commemorate Molly. So that's what I use. And now I've started using something called magnesium prills. They come in a big pouch. looks like a bean bag. And you throw it in your laundry. And I'm now using 25% as much Molly suds as I used to. Now that I have these magnesium prills, I'm going to run out of time to tell you all the details of them. But that's the combo that I use for my laundry. It works great. The clothes come out clean. They come out soft. They come out great. And I don't use any chemicals, and it's awesome. So how do we cleanse? There is a system I've put together, and it's a combination of three different products, and I love it. Now, full disclosure here, two of these products are ones I developed. One's called Lean and Clean, and one's called Back on Track. But one of the products has been around for over 100 years. It started with the Ojibwa Indians in Canada. You may have heard of Essiac. It has been purported over the years, uh, kind of used for cancer detoxification and things like that. Well, a nurse, Renee Case, maybe 60 years ago, 70 years ago, something like that, she took the Essiac formula and developed it into something called fluorescence. And fluorescence has eight herbs, and it's one of my favorite detoxes because it works at the tissue level. It really helps to detox and bring these toxins out, these chemicals that are fatty toxins that are very difficult to get out of the body, and it helps to get them out. It's a tea. It tastes very pleasant. And frankly, usually, as they're uh, shipping it around and it's already brewed and glass bottles, it's pretty expensive to sell. But right now, I have negotiated something with Flora, the brand that uh, distributes this product, and we have something I'm so excited about. We're doing them buy one, get one free. If you just want to do the fluorescence, that's the deal. Buy one, get one free. But if you want to do it along with the back on track and the lean and clean, which is the three the trifecta that I recommend for cleansing, 
I think you'll love it. We're actually doing the whole thing for about 80 bucks, and it's basically a 32-day cleanse. Now, I don't know if that sounds expensive or cheap or whatever to you, because I think it just depends on the individual. But it's normally 150 so it's a really good value. And it's not something you do all the time. You just do 32 days. And you can do it once a year, twice a year. You can kind of decide depending on what's going on with your health. But what it is basically is 12 days on the lean and clean, which works on colon, blood, and liver cleansing in a capsule form, and then 12 days on the SC, or the uh, fluorescence. And then you do 20 days to rebuild your system with back on track. And that 20 days on the back on track has those two probiotics I mentioned earlier in the show that get your immune system ramped up against these viruses like coronavirus or influenza or the common cold. And the reason you want to do that is because after you've cleansed and detoxified, especially because you're moving a lot of things through the colon, you want to make sure that you boost back up the probiotics, kind of whether you thought you needed to or not, because cleansing can have a little of an effect on that. And so the combination is what I recommend. And what I also recommend, frankly, is that you don't just do the cookie cutter thing that everybody does. This kit, I think it's great for almost everybody. Very, very excited about it. And it is something that I will be doing over the next 32 days myself. I've decided that it's time for me to get the cleansing done as well. And I do a, a new kind of cleanse about twice a year anyway, but I haven't ever done one quite like this before. I've done the fluorescence in the past and I love it. It's maybe my favorite cleanse that I've ever done, but I've never done it in conjunction with these other two formulas. So I'm excited about it. That's what I'm going to do. And if you have questions, again, just give us a call, 801-292-6662. I've got to run. The show is over. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, go tell somebody. We need to build this audience, get more educated consumers out there doing what's right for their health and avoiding the fear that the media and the government likes to throw out on us on things like coronavirus. That's what we're all, all about on Vitality Radio, empowerment over fear. Thank you so much for listening to me, Jared St. Clair. This has been Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham, with very limited help from Jared. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional.
Thank you.